Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is uh, May 13th, 2020. It's... um. It's a it's a it's an odd day. It's hump day. And I feel like that hump is really getting going. Like yesterday I spent almost a whole day trying to uh put out a few articles that were time sensitive, more so for uh people to read and understand uh the climate uh in the DC courts, uh the climate in regards to what's going on in the White House. But I have to say The most alarming thing is, okay, obviously we have the governor of North Dakota and uh, the governor of Colorado um, at the White House today. Um, Hopefully they will be talking about uh, purchasing uh, because they have interest, they have um, energy infrastructure, right? So we have them, uh, one of the biggest buyers and their friendlies on the Chinese list. Remember how Secretary Pompeo um, had a list of friendlies, right? These two governors are on the friendly side and they have purchased so many in bulk power supply, uh, you know, which is a threat. I mean, we need energy to function as a nation, right? We need energy in order to turn on the lights, uh, to make things go, to have clean water. So our power grids are very important and shouldn't be hacked. And so, uh, you know, we talked about it on the day that the president had signed his executive order, how important it is uh, to make sure that we are not getting products uh, from enemies of the state. And right now what it seems like is that these states that are, um, you know, leading in, in green energy, fracking and oil have purchased the majority of their components, their bulk, uh, you know, power supply structure, infrastructure, they're Chinese. And it doesn't mean like just the handles. Remember how we saw a lot of, um, transmitters like explode in New York and it looked like a UFO from like Jersey where they were looking like all of New York was like glowing. Do you remember that? That's because they had counterfeit like transmitters and those Those were Chinese, right? So that's just an example of, you know, botched things. But here's the thing. It's not only that. It's the way you convey the energy. So the software, the servers that are used to communicate, and that's also Chinese. And what's weird is, is that the Chinese will make it and then the French will pick it up and say, oh yeah, we're reselling it, but with our name on it. And in the, in the end, it's still Chinese and it communicates with China and provides all the information needed. Now, once again, reiterating, um, and like I said, you know, so many, many times before Russia is not uh, a problem for us at all. Uh, you know, they've been put in the corner by the rest of the world cause they don't have debt. Uh, China was a big problem, right? Huge problem. And so here we are, uh, you know, with the Chinese everywhere. And I said, China was going to be the enemy. The president said it and they laughed. Flynn said it and they laughed and they were upset, which makes me wonder, Was the Obama administration throwing cover for China? Was the Obama administration ensuring that the Trump administration was not allowed to go after China? This is why the president went to North Korea first. This is why he went there. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, um, You know, I have been, uh, you know, looking at all these things from the court thing. And I really wish the news would slow down because, you know, I, I actually took a day off paid work yesterday to do research on something that I'm working on. 
right? I took a day off, like hindered myself because it's important that we put it all together. So the number one is the DC courts. We're going to get to that. The other one is this pending coronavirus, uh, you know, contact tracing, Gestapo's Karens, and so much more. And I know I've said this before, and I and I've been saying it for years. And people would ask me why. You know, I've said that the state of North Dakota was very, very important. Not only because it's one of the top states in the nation where there is like an underground per se, right? Not really underground uh, way of trafficking human beings to and from Canada. I mean, one would say Montana, not really, because they're not that organized as they are in North Dakota. So child and human trafficking from there, weird farm parties with elites there, right? So there's the nefarious evil part of it. Uh, the, uh, in, in the insane corruption of the state that everybody can see, but nobody talks about because it's like, you know, pompous. It's like the chamber pot in the room, right? It's full of crap, but nobody wants to deal with it and throw it out the window, right? It's just there as a decoration. So I've said this was very, very, very important. And not only because of that, but because it's, it, ha- it houses one of the most important strategic military bases that the Air Force has for us. And I'm God, thank God, thank God that Space Force took that out. Remember, remember when Space Force was happening, suddenly this hangar on one of the most secure Air Force bases there are lit fire and they were like, oh yeah, we didn't get it. It's like, who's going to call the BS? On a base, something burns down to the ground. That's intentional. Everybody gets fireman training, right? We all know that. So I am, you know, all of these things are starting to make sense. The governor, Bill Gates, Mike Bloomberg putting his butt in there, Abbott Labs funding it. Ah, and it's not Abbott Labs directly. See, because these people are smart. So we're going to talk about that too. Um, and we're going to talk about an amazing interview that Scott Adams had with Matt Whitaker, where a few things were stated, which just reinforce what we've been talking about on the Tory Says Show, that in Washington, D.C., you will never get a fair court. It's always the court of public opinion or court of majority house, right? Whatever the house majority is, that's what we're going with. And I'm telling you that this General Flynn case is the one that is bringing the bull out of the barn on SCOTUS gate because it's about to get real, real big. So I, I found donation coming from Abbott. I found, um, well, I didn't, I didn't. Another journalist did. I don't know if the journalist wants me to say their name. Found it because I've been saying they've been doing this. They've been doing this. And I can't look at every single state, guys. I'm one person. And the amount of time that I devote to just dig on these things is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Because... I really feel that we're losing the plot. We're not paying attention because there's so many moving parts. I mean, we're getting mesmerized by the media, right and left. They're telling us where to look when we should be looking everywhere. But we only have 10 fingers, right? It's a good thing I count on a 60 base, right? Which means every finger is 12. <laughs> every finger represents 12. But um, it's, it's really, really important right now. So much is happening and Barr, you know, he's got until right after Labor Day, right after Labor Day, we're going to be changing up. But, 
you know, I, you know, did he lower the bar? Is he smoking them out? Because there is so much going on and all we're getting is censorship in return, right? Um, people trying to throw jabs at people for saying whatever. I mean, it's the most disgusting environment to be in. Like we have the DC swamp, but now we also have the media swamp and the media, including citizen journalists, which is disgusting. Like one writer for me took something uh, that was from a dot gov page saw it nicely on google photos had highlights and then one other you know well the people that tried to hack the q movement let me put it straight right and got caught and got caught uh what are they called soap uh patriot soapbox what are they called they actually tried to hack the Q movement. They lied about it. They actually have a DNC operative, right, that works for one of these data mining companies working for them. And people are so dumb, they're listening to them, right, because they can't see it. So they've got these two clowns that legit were the reason it was moved to 8chan from 4chan. So, so these idiots started to attack this journalist because, uh, what, they didn't cite the fact that they tweeted out a picture with, oh, you use my mind. It's a freaking picture. You didn't write the report. But this is what we're doing. They're trying to fracture the base. We have people saying, don't listen to this person. Listen to me. Guys, listen to everybody. Listen to everybody because they will tell you who they are by their actions and how they're deemed. That's all you have to do. Because what they are covering up is insane. We've got issues of national security. I mean, how do you feel that your medical biometrics right? Biometrics and any identifying information is being shipped out to the World Health Organization that we are no longer paying. So that is invalid. So I want to know where is Azar? Azar, what the heck is going on? Why are you allowing it? Why is HHS allowing this? Azar, wake up, dude. Why are we letting people ship our data off to China? Quarantine and traveler-related activities, including records for contact tracing, investigation, and notification under 42 CFR Part 7071, HHS, CDC, CCID, Security Classification, none. System locations, Division of Global Migration, Quarantine National Center of Preparedness, Detection Control of Infectious Diseases, Coordinating Center for Infection Diseases, Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. And I will read that part specifically. Part of routine uses of records maintained in system, including categories, users, and purposes, and, and, and the purposes of such uses. <sighs> records may be disclosed to the World Health Organization in accordance to U.S. responsibilities as a signatory to the international health regulations and other international agreements. So what do you mean? The International Criminal Court? What are you talking about? What other international organization? You mean the United nations because those are international agreements this is where we need to null and void every gosh darn signature every single one of them records may be disclosed cooperating state and local legal departments enforcing concurrent legal authority related to quarantine or isolation activities hold on gestapo take a step back like what's going on do you see where i'm going with this so i'm going to kind of tell you the story on that as uh you know 
as uh, our time together here on air progresses, uh, because these are the things that need to be brought to light. Uh, there was a uh, an insane. You guys know that I love Patrick Holly, right? Like I love him. Like I will state and profess my love for him <laughs> online. He was the best editor I, I've had. Um, I consider Patrick Holly a dear friend. You can follow him on Twitter at Holly Reports. He's the one that broke the story on you know McCain weaponizing the IRS against conservatives. And I'm going to play for you a Periscope he did yesterday, and I'm going to leave it with no comment. Just I want you to listen to it with your ears and take it as you wish. Sophia, are doing a good job of ideas continuing. And the latest effort being put forth by the deep state Democrats is something called contact tracing. Now, it looks like they've backed off of the mandatory vaccine a little bit because President Donald Trump said that this thing is going to get better without a vaccine. And that must have come as a disappointment to Mr. Bill Gates because Mr. Bill Gates wants a mandatory vaccine very badly. But we're moving away from that now. And hydroxychloroquine and remdesivir are doing a good job of uh, treating people. And so the mandatory vaccine doesn't look like it's going to pan out. And with governors opening up their states now, it doesn't look like there's going to be a forced economic depression, which is obviously what these people were aiming for. So now they're thinking, let's try to get as much out of this as we possibly can for the cause of authoritarianism. And they've put forth contact tracing. Now, I noticed this the other day because Bill Clinton did interviews with Andrew Cuomo and... Um, Gavin Newsom. And basically what he said was that uh, we need to have a contact tracer corps. So basically what they're talking about is an army of contact tracers that can go around and track infected people and who they come into contact with. So if you might have come into contact with an infected person, then they'll come around and ask you to give them everybody that you've come into contact with. And then they create a big network of people and all these connections, right? And so it's mass surveillance. And it's a very creepy kind of mass surveillance because, as I reported today, Partners in Health, which is doing the contact tracing in the state of Massachusetts, thanks to Governor Charlie Baker, another rhino, quote, training and deploying hundreds of contact tracers. Turns out that this organization is funded by George Soros and Bill Gates organizations. And Chelsea Clinton is on the board of trustees. So Chelsea Clinton is on the board of the company that's doing contact tracing. Think about that. Meanwhile, in New York City, if you want to be a contact tracer with a partner with the New York City government, you have, you're required to understand, quote, institutional and structural racism. And you have to support the LGBTQ community and immigrants. Now, why is it so important for you to be a woke leftist? Why is it so important for you to be a cultural progressive in order to be a contact tracer? Obviously, they're looking for a certain kind of people. And so what will these people be doing? Well, they just might be coming to your house. H.R. 6666. This is the bill that the Democrats have introduced. I'm going to say that again. H.R. 6666. Now, there's one more six in there. So, <laughs> so I, know, I know you conspiracy theorists out there are going to the 666, but it's actually four sixes. So, you know, they're throwing you off a little bit. H.R. 6666. Bobby Rush, the Democrat, the congressman, has put this out there. They want $100 billion for this. And I feel like they're just making these numbers up at this point. $100 billion. All right, $100 billion. It's called the COVID-19 Testing, Reaching, and Contacting Everyone Act. The TRACE Act. Testing, Reaching, and Contacting Everyone. They want to contact everyone. 
And it has 45 co-sponsors, 44 Democrats, and one Republican who used to be a, um, a Democrat until he switched over. And it wants to authorize grants for diagnostic testing and uh, you know, related uh, activities such as contact tracing through mobile health units and, as necessary, at individuals' residences. So they're trying to authorize contact tracers to come to your house and do the contact tracing at individuals' residences. This is probably the most disturbing thing that has been pushed so far. The vaccine was pretty disturbing, but I feel like we've won that. Uh, there's not going to be a mandatory vaccine, as far as I'm concerned. And they wanted to shut down the economy through the election. They haven't gotten that. They wanted national vote by mail. We defeated them on that. But, of course, they're doing, trying to do it on a state-by-state -state level. Eric Holder's pushing that in Texas today as we speak. So now it's contact tracing. They want to build this big network of people, $100 billion. So what are these contact tracers going to do with the $100 billion? You're telling me this isn't an election effort? You're telling me this isn't about voter data and also uh, surveilling people and keeping tabs on people, figuring out who's meeting with who, who is coming into contact with who, and they literally want to track the entire country, contacting everyone. <laughs> so, look, it's just laughable at this point. You have to laugh in the face of authoritarianism because we're winning. The truth war, the citizen journalists, the truth movement, we're winning because we're not getting the mandatory vaccine. We're getting our society reopened. We've exposed Bill Gates. We've exposed little Napoleon Manfauci. Pandemic has gone viral. We are on the forefront of leading the way and you know, saving this country peacefully. But we have to stay on it because they are going to try to do everything they possibly can to milk this for anything they can get. And the new one is contact tracing. So let's, let's be vigilant when it comes to mail-in voting because we all know that's a fraud. And let's be vigilant when it comes to contact tracing, because now we know what the game is. We know that Soros and Bill Gates and Chelsea Clinton... I mean, Chelsea Clinton's on the board of trustees of the company doing contact tracing. So we know exactly who these people are and what they want to do. So let's stay vigilant and uh, let's stay happy. And, you know, let's keep our good spirits up about us, because we're clearly winning. Uh, but we've got to stay vigilant. Thank you. God bless you. God bless America. Okay, so I left that as is so all of you can listen to Patrick Howley because he put it together so eloquently. So uh, the question, uh, so concisely put, is if, you know, it, 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 why is HHS giving our information to the who? Why is HHS giving information, our data, to who? We are no longer funding them. We are no longer funding them. So why is it happening? You know, um, <laughs> you know, if if so that they're giving it, why? And the question, I am tweeting it out now to Secretary Pompeo um, and the president, why are we giving this data to the who? Why is it happening? This is key. And I'm going to tell you why, because we did win that vaccine war. We did expose them. But here's the thing. 
They don't care about it now. They're just like, you know what? Forget it. We can't push it right now. We got to wait until this guy is out of office and then we'll do it. In the meantime, we'll gather the information we need to deploy it. Because remember, I had talked about and, and, and throughout the years I've been on NPR and all of these where I've been talking about personalized medicine. They've been pushing something called personalized medicine. So what is personalized medicine? It is where they take your DNA. How many of you have had someone sick, someone you love? even yourself, where they send you to a geneticist. You know, maybe you need to, you know, meet with our geneticist. They did it to me when I was diagnosed with a big C, right? So they're like, let's get you with a geneticist. So let's, uh, let's see. So they gather this information. What does that do? The geneticists are then able to take all your information, uh, your genetic information, and analyze it to see what kind of treatments would be ideal for you. Now, if I can take your DNA and find what treatments are great for you, what else can I do with it? I could take your DNA and find out how to kill you without making it look like I killed you. Uh, you know, maybe I'll force everyone to take a vaccine and know that if I want to eliminate these people that think like this, because there are genes that tell you, uh, well, certain lineages uh, that, uh, you know, think a certain way, look a certain way, you know this, right? Huh. You can target specific demographics and take them out. Hmm. You see? So this is what they need, bulk data. They can't just deploy something that might kill somebody they don't want or a group of people they don't want. And I say, Tori, that's really nefarious. Is it though? Is it though? Uh, their true colors are coming out. At, is it though? Is it? They have imprisoned you so they can steal the election. And, and hey, you know what? What was it? We talked about this. The second week of March, before anyone was even thinking about elections, what did I say? This is a hoax. They're going to use it. And I'm not saying that COVID-19 doesn't exist. Do not take that as that. I'm saying that they are milking this to do what they wanted. And, you know, Millie Weaver and I did a report that was published on March 25th on her YouTube channel where I was wearing like a gas mask that was stuck on my head and I had like uh, impressions on my forehead for like forever and a day where we introduced you to using AI, gathering your information, getting digital certificates because we already knew what they were planning with this. And this is before the CARES Act was even signed where it clearly manifested and came out. Out. So here we are at the point where we have other agencies. Azar, what are you doing, man? Your right-hand guy on pharmaceuticals beat himself to death in front of his garage, and you're sitting there giving our information to the World Health Organization, a.k.a. China? Are you kidding? We've got the left asking for what? We need more testing. We need more testing. You mean you want to harvest our DNA? That's what they want. So who does the who work for, guys? Think about it this way. Who does the who work for? The who works for the United Nations. And what are the United Nations? I wrote an article on Tory Says. 
telling you this is very alarming when they were found in Utah and they kicked an American citizen out saying, nope, this is our territory. And they're like, uh, excuse me, I kind of like paid for this building with my taxes, not yours. Yeah, we're claiming it international territory. The one thing we can do right now as a nation to stop this is to pull out and annul, nullify, nullify every single world organization treaty we have ever signed. Stop giving them money, no signatures. We need to audit them and see what's really going on. I mean, if Tanzania can do it by exposing them, by giving goat and fruit DNA to expose the charade, then why can't we just say, hold on a second, we're paying a heck of a lot more than Tanzania and we're not happy with what you're doing. And so not only are we not going to pay you anymore, but we are no longer uh, bound by these agreements, period. That is exactly what we need to do. ASAP. Now, in the meantime, before I go to the break, I'm going to put out a tweet during the break and I would appreciate anyone that's on Twitter to retweet it because it's important for the president of the United States, now that he has Governor Doug Burgum of North Dakota there, to ask him one question. Why is the former CEO of Abbott Labs dropping 50 grand into your pack, your reelection pack? Why did he drop you cash? Why is Abbott well, had stepped down, so now he's doing it not in Abbott capacity? You see what I'm trying to say? You know, one degree of separation maybe? So why is it that this person is dropping money into governors to get them reelected? This is something we need to make known. Hey, President Trump, now that you have Doug Burgum in your White House, ask him why he got that money and what communications he's had with Abbott Labs. Because, man, this is about to get really sketchy because they know, they know that they're not going to win this vaccine now. But if they can take all that information, if they can legalize people storming into your house and being all up in your business, then the minute they get the chance, they will mandate vaccines. They will stab you and jab you right at the door of your house. And that's it. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. 
When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory says so show. show. <laughs> Tory says so show. Um, I'm your host, Tori. So I'm uh, going to be tweeting out a screenshot of this, um, you know, contribution. Uh, but I also wanted to, while I'm, while I'm asking a fellow journalist uh, to get it for me because I can't search it right now, I'm just, um, I'm actually very distraught with everything that we're seeing. Uh, you know, we need to take a break. Just one second. Just listen to how um, the Democrats are putting a $3 trillion coronavirus relief bill. Now, it is important. It is very, very important that at this moment, every single American takes time to read this. Because if they can create the foundations where they have access to your personal identifying information and have distributed it to the United Nations, to those globalist heads and have legalized the ability for them to enter your home, to assail your privacy, to ask questions and to track you, which by the way, remember that care 19 app that governor Doug Burgum, uh, had a friend kind of donated. Yeah. Right. Uh, well now anybody that has an iPhone that's actually been incorporated in your Apple health app. So with the new update that you've done with Apple, if you read the update, it's to incorporate contact tracing, which you cannot opt out of. So there's another question for you. You have bought this phone for $1,200 and in order to use it and have it function, you must update it to allow it to track you. So the minute they find someone with COVID-19, 
That data is then provided to them by Apple under, what is it, CFR 42, you know, the darn regulation that Azar has out there. And lo and behold, you'll get a Karen knock on your door, bust in and say, whoop, you only have one bathroom. I guess we got to take your kid because it can't share it with you. Guess we got to take you away and throw you into a nursing home. Here's a body bag just in case. Are you kidding? This is what we're going to do. Let's listen to Tucker Carlson for a second. Welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. You may have seen clips of it. Dr. Anthony Fauci testified before Congress today to explain how much longer mass quarantines must last and what other sacrifices the rest of us need to make in order to fight the Wuhan coronavirus. Fauci has never been elected to anything. You'd never know it. Many of our leaders believe his every word is tantamount to law. And in effect, it has been. Just how wise is the man making these laws? Is he rooted in science? We'll let you decide in just a minute. But first tonight, no matter how long these lockdowns do go on, we're starting to see the outlines of the damage they have caused so far. A recent working paper released by the Becker Friedman Institute, the University of Chicago, concludes that out of at least 33 million American jobs that have disappeared recently, more than 40% of them will be gone forever. Those jobs will never come back, even once all government restrictions are lifted. Now, if that turns out to be true, and of course we hope it isn't, but if it is, that would mean nearly 14 million Americans would be languishing in long-term unemployment. For perspective, during the Great Recession of 2008, whose effects we feel even now, job losses peaked at about 10 million. So this is an unprecedented disaster for American families, what we're living through. And it's compounding what was already there, thanks to a series of ugly changes to the American economy, even before the pandemic. Many people were stuck in jobs with lower pay and fewer benefits than the ones they lost a decade ago. Millions have no savings and are suffocating beneath mountains of student debt and credit card debt. This was already a country with declining life expectancy and growing inequality in a middle class that was fading. And the coronavirus pandemic accelerated those trends. So our job now, our main job before anything else, is to fix that damage. Everything depends on fixing it. So that's the sad backdrop to the House of Representatives' new 1,800-page coronavirus relief bill, which was released today. Anything our Congress does at the moment must first and foremost prevent ordinary people from slipping beneath the waves. And in a statement today, Speaker Nancy Pelosi assured voters that her bill, this bill, will do just that. We can all agree that we must open our economy as quickly as we can, but we must do so based on science and data. And we must do so in a way that reaches all Americans in a way that addresses the disparities we have seen so that we can assess the full extent of the coronavirus and defeat it. We all know that we must put more money in the pockets of the American people. This is not only necessary for their survival, but it is also a stimulus to the economy. Direct payments, unemployment insurance, rental and mortgage help, and food and student loan assistance, among other things, are essential to relieve the fear that many families are facing. Among other things, Speaker Pelosi just said. What are those things? Well, the first thing to know about this bill is that it's big, maybe the biggest piece of legislation ever proposed in U.S. history. The estimated price tag for everything in this bill is $3 trillion. That's close to 90% of the nation's entire annual tax revenue. And keep in mind, that comes close on the heels of the last coronavirus relief bill. 
that cost about $2 trillion. And of course, our usual annual spending is still there. It hasn't disappeared. So altogether, that's an awful lot of expenses. And every single new dollar will have to be borrowed because there aren't any left. That means that when the smoke clears from all this spending, only China will be able to bail us out. They'll have to. They're the only ones who can afford it. China has the strongest balance sheet in the world. At that point, we will be their vassals. So is it worth it? What will we get in return for doing that? Well, we spent all day reading Pelosi's bill to find out. Too few did that. We did. And here's what we found. First and most glaringly, with more than 30 million Americans out of work, really the last thing we need is more illegal low-wage labor from abroad. Yet this bill goes out of its way to supply illegal immigrants, who, in case you needed to be reminded, have no right to be here in the first place, with billions in taxpayer dollars. According to House Democrats, illegal immigrants must have a right to have the $1,200 checks that American citizens received in the last bill. They would also receive the same direct payments as American citizens going forward. So, in effect, it's a huge payoff, the Democratic Party's most cherished constituency, a group that's not even allowed to be here. And then it goes on from there. The bill contains an amnesty provision. For the duration of the coronavirus crisis, that's something I'd like to see extended a very long time, all illegal immigrants employed in so-called essential services would be shielded from deportation. And their employers would be shielded, too. People who hire illegal aliens could not be prosecuted. Now, don't be fooled. This is not about protecting physicians who are critical to providing medical care to the rest of us. Current essential workers, as they are defined in this bill, is in fact an enormous category that spans almost every part of the American economy. It includes employees in food services, laundry, waste management, childcare, agriculture, transportation, restaurants, as well as any retail worker in America who works at a location that sells food or beverages. This is a blanket amnesty for virtually every illegal alien who has already taken an American job. And once this amnesty is granted, it will never be taken away. Bet on that no matter what they tell you. Anyone who lives in Washington can confirm that. Once passed, it's not going away. And at that point, there will be no more debate about illegal immigration. The issue will be settled permanently, and Democrats will win every presidential election for the rest of your life, the rest of your children's lives, the rest of your grandchildren's lives. No, that will essentially render President Trump the last president of the United States. There will be no more United States. There will be no more. They are securing their legacy, their eternal and immortal Clones Lives Matter lives at your expense. And just like they will make immigrants something illegal, immigrants, illegal aliens in our nation uh, law, and you can't dispute it, this is how they're going to make law. The ability for them to storm your house and, and test you and jab you with whatever vaccine they feel. This is where it's at. They lost the war in public opinion for these vaccines, no matter how much CNN says that people want it. And, you know, they know they lost it because we won that. We exposed them for the sham they are. They're so irate that 
they were pushing, pushing, deep state, Mueller, this, Flint, and now they don't even want to talk about it. They want to talk about, you're going to die if we don't get a vaccine. You're going to die. Coronavirus, look over here. Forget the coup on the state. Focus on the coup on your freedoms. They are coming after us, and they will not rest until they enslave every man, woman, and child. That's the point of this. But the bill keeps going from there. The bill would automatically extend current guest worker visas while raising the ceiling for additional ones. Democrats have called this bill the HEROES Act. They're telling you it will help health care workers. But as of tonight, thousands of American health care workers are being furloughed from their jobs or fired entirely. This bill, remarkably, orders DHS to expedite visa processing for foreigners who want to come to the U.S. and work in health care. Got that? American healthcare workers laid off. Now they could be replaced by foreigners willing to work for less. We don't have to guess if that could happen. It's happened throughout American industries. Under this bill, it would help happen to our healthcare system as well. Sorry, unemployed Americans. Better get used to drawing a government check. That's your future. And then there's the long section in this legislation about drugs. The bill is strongly in favor of drugs, probably because when you're high, you're less likely to think or worry about what else is in the bill. The bill mentions cannabis 68 times. It orders the federal government to produce an annual report on, quote, expanding access to financial services for minority-owned and women-owned cannabis-related legitimate businesses. Democrats would like to see more drug sales in minority neighborhoods. That's in this bill. Keep in mind, these are the people calling you a racist. And the bill makes it clear they still believe you are. The bill mentions diversity at least 20 times. It would order all federal government agencies to the greatest extent possible to hold deposits in minority-owned banks. Okay, fine. But what does the pandemic and our response to it have to do with race politics? Stupid question. In the Democratic Party, everything has to do with race politics all the time. It's the primary way they get and keep power. Race politics is the only program they have, that and more crime and increased censorship. This bill, believe it or not, also contains a prison break provision. It's like a Saturday Night Live sketch. This bill would order the release of every federal prisoner who has asthma, diabetes, or is over 50 years of age, unless the Bureau of Prisons affirmatively proves the inmate in question is likely to commit violence against a specific person. Not in general, against a specific person. Here's the censorship part, and it's part of a growing and ominous theme in that direction, a theme that will prevent you from saying or believing what you like. This bill directs a million dollars to the National Science Foundation to study coronavirus, quote, misinformation, which shouldn't be allowed. In other words, shut up and stop disagreeing with our pronouncements. That's not allowed. Take another hit on your government-sponsored dab pen and submit. That's the message that it sends. But for the favored few, the Democratic Party's donor class, the bill is far more gentle and soothing. In fact, it's a payday. This bill would repeal the cap on state and local tax deductions. That would help, almost exclusively help, high-income neighborhoods in overtaxed blue states. Why is that significant? Because that's the beating heart of the Democratic electorate. This is a payoff to them. Amazingly, and you can't make this up, this bill, the HEROES Act, would also help a very different kind of hero. It would make lobbying shops in Washington, D.C. eligible for small business loans from the federal government. 
In this bill, lobbyists are heroes. You can't leave them out. Who wrote this thing? Probably not scientists. Lobbyists and ideologues wrote it. The same people who control the Democratic Party. The same people who badly want to control this country. They want to control this country. They want to control you. They are after you. And the only peop- the only person standing between them and you is the president of the United States. The only person standing between them and you is the president of the United States of America. Now, I want you to listen to um, Rand Paul and what he had to say about Fauci. Okay? Watch this task force. Uh, Here's the exchange between you and Dr. Fauci that, that got a lot of attention today. Watch this. I think the one size fits all that we're going to have a national strategy and nobody's going to go to school is kind of ridiculous. We really ought to be doing it school district by school district. And as much as I respect you, Dr. Fauci, I don't think you're the end all. I don't think you're the one person that gets to make a decision. I have never made myself out to be the end all and only voice in this. I'm a scientist, a physician and a public health official. I give advice according to the best scientific evidence. I want to ask you about the school thing, but, you know, you you said that it was, you know, pointed to say to him, you know, I don't think you're the end all. Do you think he's gotten puffed up or has too much attention or we're leaning on him too much? You know, I don't question Dr. Fauci's motives. I think he's a good person. I think he wants what's best for the country, but he's an extremely cautious person. And I don't think any of these experts are omniscient. I think that they have a basis of knowledge. But when you prognosticate about the future and when you advocate for things dramatic and drastic, like closing all the schools, you should look at all the information. So the real question I asked him was, are you aware of the mortality among children? And he is, but the mortality is exceedingly low, close to zero in the age group zero to 18. Very, very low. So should we say all of these kids zero to 18 don't go to school even though their mortality is so low? No, I think we ought to make that part of our decision-making process. But we really need to have competition among the experts because we had experts, particularly that guy Ferguson over in England, saying it's going to be two million, best case a million. Well, this guy has gotten everything wrong for the last couple of decades. He predicted mad cow disease would kill 136,000 and 177 people died. So we have to take with a grain of salt these experts and their prognostications. The future is very uncertain, but turning down and closing the entire economy has been devastating. That's a fact. Now, Rand Paul is actually a doctor from Eastern Kentucky. I remember when he was running and I was in Kentucky. And um, uh, the thing is, is uh, uh, Fauci is not, you know, and I commend him for, you know, holding his tongue on that and saying, oh, I believe that he's a good person. He's totally not. He's the henchman running this. Remember that Fauci, his division was testing a new HIV drug and they took a single mom who did not have AIDS that was pregnant, told her she was pregnant so that they can use her as a lab rat. That's the type of person I know the scientist Dr. Fauci is and his team. That is what they stand for. That is what they have done. I've told you that story already before. These people hate 
humans. They hate them. So what's incredible is, what is really incredible is that uh, he is pushing a full shutdown. He is pushing for a vaccine and he has nothing else but his gut that has been wrong all this time because the media failed because we came up. We went to hospitals and said, hey, wait a minute, why are you moving COVID patients? You're empty. You're making TikTok videos. There's no one here. Wait a minute. My dad had cancer. He didn't die of COVID. Wait a minute. My brother was hit by a car and decapitated. He didn't have coronavirus. Wait a minute. The dude fell out of a plane with no parachute and died. He didn't die of coronavirus. Now they're coming out to tell us that anyone who dies, if they have a trace of COVID in them, meaning immunity, they have immunity, antibodies or anything, means they died of coronavirus. So the people have broken the reality hackers. The people have cut through the congestion of their narrative and and they're losing it. So now they're activating the conservatives and you've seen the banter between conservatives and CNN. They're activating them to now come into you because remember it was those conservatives who were like, Oh my gosh, we have so many people dying. Oh my gosh. I went and got food and stocked up. Oh my gosh. You need to do this and that. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And all the while, does the president know what's going on? It was only a couple of months before coronavirus broke in the United States that Miles White, the CEO of Abbott Labs, stepped down. He just stepped down, just out of the blue, decided that he's going to step down. One of the primary goals in my career have been to leave the company well-positioned for the people who count on us. What? Did you? Or did you leave so you can start fattening up the pockets of governors that are willing to push your testing equipment? Did you leave for that? Because Dakota Leadership Pack got $50,000 from Miles White. Please explain. Please explain, and I just tweeted it out, you guys, with the screenshot of the line item. Please explain. How is it that Governor Doug Burgum got 50K in his pocket from Abbott Labs? This is a coup against the people. Remember, Doug Burgum, who was pushing DNA harvesting parties. Doug Burgum, who created the app that is now incorporated in your iPhone, like it or not, if you've updated. <laughs> and here everyone is sitting there looking at New York and California. Look over there. It's the biggest city. Look over here. It's over here. Nope. It's in the states that have actually zero death due to coronavirus. They're just deaths with coronavirus, right? And that is the state that has been doing everything. Remember, he is Bill Gates's partner, you guys. He sold his company to Bill Gates and it still has his company's name on it. 
He created an app and he was all over the news. Yeah, our app is so great. Not only are we going to trace you, but when you have that app, we're going to be tracing everyone else around you too through Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Oh, but we value privacy. Come on. 50K for the re-election of Doug Burgum. 50K. 50K. <laughs> How many others that are not so visible? That's what you need to look at. That's what needs to be seen and shown. Uh, questions, questions, questions. So Tori, why is it North Dakota? Because no one's looking there. Nobody cares about North Dakota. What? North Dakota, what do they do there? Oh, it's oil and farms. Yeah, the richest people are farmers. The most absolutely sickly richest people are farmers that feed the United States of America, the oil wells out of all the counties, only three in the state have no oil. This is huge and no one is paying attention because we're busy looking at Cuomo and his nipples and how he's sending off old people, right? From, and, and young <laughs> from hospitals to nursing homes accompanied with a body bag, just in case. Here's your care package. We're moving you to this, uh, you know, nursing home right now, but, and they send them with body bags. They know what they're doing in Pennsylvania. The governor and them don't, you know, don't even put their own parents. They move them out to hotels, but yeah, we're more important. Okay. You're not, you get to go to the death sentence. My mom who's 98 isn't, she's going in the Marriott. This is how are we allowing this? I mean, are they itching for us to bear arms and go. That's what they're doing, but we're not. We're going to use the tools we have. We're going to use the tools we have. And remember, not only has North Dakota deployed the app, not only are they being funded by Abbott, not only are they Chinese friendly and have gotten tons of cash, tons of cash from Gates, from Mike Bloomberg, from Soros, and now from Abbott Labs themselves. I mean, he stepped down just a couple of months before coronavirus broke. Not only did they all celebrate and discuss coronavirus at the end of January at Jeff Bezos' new place in Washington, D.C., where they were partying. Not only that, right? But we also have the same state that is pushing what? No voter ID. Remember, they're using their Native Americans led by Tim Purdon, who is coordinating the effort to get Flynn and what? Put elections to be done through the Internet or an app because, you know, the debacle in Iowa was nothing. I mean, that just happened. Really? It was always about impeachment and stealing the vote. Now it's your life. See you in a bit. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. And this is the second hour. So in the first hour, I told you about the hoax. The hoax. Nope. COVID-19 is real, just like every single other flu, Chinese <laughs> organized flu, because this is how they slowly incorporate the changes they want and the target markers. And I'm going to just um, uh, quickly just... Um, Explain target markers, okay? 
So when, uh, I, oh, you know, I really have to find that old video and it's like so scientific-y. <laughs> it was a course that I was teaching online. I was a TA for a class, uh, teaching assistant, uh, where I was teaching people of how DNA, um, you know, compresses itself and how it, um, coils down, how it, um, you know, um, compresses all its data. Uh, and, and, and for those techies out there, you understand how valuable it is to understand compressing data and making it super small. Like imagine your DNA, how much data is in that and how it compresses and how it goes around things like hose wheels and then they stack and stack. Well, when you want to find something in a laboratory or when you want to manipulate um, uh, genetics, you have to have markers. So cue this, how I got into a world-renowned laboratory, um, you know, through studentship, of course. Uh, uh, you know, I learned from the best. I learned from Brennan. Wait till more comes out on Brennan. And I'll talk a little bit about that today because uh, I really want to get into Flynn, too. Um, so uh, the, the at this lab, I learned from the guy that actually was part of the Human Genome Project, Craig Vintner, an amazing genius a freaking genius uh, trying to make the bacterium that causes us urinary tract infections <laughs> um, spit out fuel. And he's gotten a lot of money for it. Now, in his laboratory, he was able to mark DNA, put a marker, and not only that, change the color of that organism um, as he was trying to figure out how he can knock out virility genes, meaning the genes that cause it to be viral or infectious, right? So that way he can train it to spit out fuel, to generate fuel. Uh, he failed, though, because in, in, a, in a closed setting, in a monitored setting of atmosphere, temperature, and environment, uh, it worked like he wanted. And the minute he put it out in nature, suddenly virility genes that he thought knocked out were present. Something called crosstalk, epigenetic crosstalk. I've talked about that before, but that's highly technical. So I'm going to keep it really simple. Markers are really easy to place. Those are usually done with retroviral tactics. Uh, you know, so basically you introduce RNA to code your DNA differently. And it's kind of like a, think about it like a little paper clip placed on there that you can see almost like, you know, those, uh, oh, identification that when you get a vaccine, there's a dye that you can check with the light kind of like that. Think of it that way. So when they do a genetic assay, right, and they have your DNA, they can point those markers from all the vaccines that they've given you as targets. Oh, it's from that section of DNA to that section that was targeted and we changed. So maybe we can slip it in through there so they know exactly where to go. Like uh, page markers, right? Uh, but you're putting it in big, 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 big bulk data that's biologically recorded. Because uh, when I say, you know, I time travel and then I'm an upgrade, and soon that'll be something people will understand a little bit better. So there's markers, and genetic information, you have to think of it as uh, co computer information, code, because it is coded. It's coded with, uh, you know, five basic uh, words. And those words are oxygen, hydrogen, carbon, nitrogen, and phosphorus. That's it. That's the language of your DNA. Everything else just exists right? To, as an appendage. So those are the five key words is to say in your coding of your DNA. So they mark it. Now, 
by harvesting every single person's DNA, you will be able to see where markers sit for every people because we're all different. But in essence, there are only about 23 tribes of genetic tribes, core genetic tribes on the planet. And those are called haplogroups. Uh, it goes back to mitochondrial DNA, not the majority DNA, which is for, you know, phenotypic and physiological um, expressions. Uh, you know, like your eye color and stuff. Your mitochondrial DNA is your core DNA, your lineage DNA, your blue blood identifying DNA. And that, if anything is mutated on that, you're screwed. Like you're, you're screwed. That's where we have, you know, uh, diseases, uh, that, you know, you can't fix that. If you find out you're, you have that gene, you're done, you're toast, right? You're just like, all right, I'm done. Other people that have certain defects can't move, uh, because they don't make enough mitochondria, you know, so they literally can't move. There are, that is the core. So I'm telling you that this harvesting of the DNA, this legislation to contact trace, this legislation to harvest your information every time you go to the doctor, all of that being shipped off to a central brain in Europe, (laughs) sitting there again, Don't forget, who was it that said it was a European virus? Oh, that's right. Didn't Cuomo say that? I think that was a slip. I think that was a slip. Very big slip. You know, and we also had the only two, uh, you know, plants uh, in proximity to the United States, one in the U.S. and one in Mexico, that actually make uh, the a necessary component for hydroxychloroquine, uh, magnesium striate. Uh, Both of them within hours of each other had explosions, you know, seems like they want to suffocate, uh, the amount of hydroxychloroquine we have, or maybe they want to give us tainted ones. So we are forced to ask China, the savior to save us. That's how it works. So this is, this is pure insanity. You guys, what they are doing is a crime against humanity. And it's not the first time it is not the first time. And this is something that we really need to take into consideration, really need to take into consideration because this is very frightening that they are laying these foundations and we are letting it happen. And I know all of you that listen to Tori says that there are, are, that are on Twitter, on Facebook, talking about it, constantly pounding, pounding, pounding the information out. You're breaking the fabric. That's all we can do right now is make sure we get the attention of the president himself, not his peripheries. Because if peripheries like Azar would have said, well, you know, maybe since the president Pompeo said we're not paying the who, we should delete this off the regulations. But they're not. So governors are literally exporting our stuff out to China. I mean, the who, I mean, the EU, I mean, the UN. So this is where we need to start being louder and as loud as possible because it is up to us to take control of our nation. He's one man and he is doing his job and he is trying to do his job really, really hard. And he needs our help because he is helping us. So shifting gears from, uh, you know, the, the, the coronavirus shifting gears from the, the, the theft of our identity, shifting gears of them making us slaves and putting us on a digitized system so they can control us and know us and possibly create designer weapons specific for us. 
Let's get to what the heck is going on in Washington, D.C. I mean, it's pure insanity, pure insanity. And what was incredible to me, uh, you know, aside from the human rights violations, crimes against humanity, the violations of our very civil, our own civil rights to privacy. We don't have privacy anymore. We're not allowed for the greater good, of course. I mean, who else said that? Oh yeah, that's right. Hitler. That's right. Stalin, right? All of them. This is the greater good. Greater good means my good, but whatever. Now I'm going to shift gears and I'm going to demonstrate to you and I'm going to put it out there. I told you that SCOTUSgate was starting on the 5th of May and we saw it explode. We saw suddenly Ruth Bader Ginsburg went for some exchange parts, whatever, uh, you know, and it's all happening. We saw that, uh, Supreme chief justice, Supreme court Roberts is sitting on some documents saying they're classified. And it's like, dude, why, why are you sitting on them? Like, wait a minute. Are you part of explain? But Today, there was an incredible interview uh, that I heard with Scott Adams and Matt Whitaker, who I adore, and who's also publishing a book. And one thing he said that was great was that he knows that in Washington, D.C., it is hard to actually have a good trial, meaning that all of the D.C. courts are corrupt, all of them. And that's saying a lot coming from the acting attorney general that cleaned up, tidied up and got the place ready for attorney general Barr. Now you all know how I feel about Barr. I want to believe that he is on a road to redemption yet. I nevertheless remind myself who he is and where he is. And you know, this is where, you know, we need to ask ourselves, Has William Barr, by withdrawing the petition as the Department of Justice, given more fuel to them to find an out on this? Because right now, think of this, think of this, a prosecutor that represents the interests of the United States of America files a criminal charge against General Flynn. And so he's representing our interests, the Department of Justice, in other words, that's who he's representing. Well, this prosecutor you know, that the prosecutor, the Department of Justice, decides, oh, you know what? Never mind. We're pulling our petition. And now the judge, who is he? Is the judge the prosecutor? I mean, what's the judge doing? Why is he waiting for opinions? Think about it. So the person that put in the suit or, you know, the criminal charge to the court and petitioned it to get it done says, mm, I'm, I'm taking it back. Right? And so the judge is sitting there saying, yeah, but you know, what is he? Is he the prosecutor now? Or is he fishing around waiting for prosecutors to say, I'll take it. I'll take it. And it's like, hold on a second. How can a prosecutor say, I'll take it when the federal government, which they represent said, we're not doing it. Ah, so what's going to happen here? Ah, so is the judge going to try to get a state to file charges on the interest that the state might have? I don't know. Like maybe the state of North Dakota, like maybe the state of New York, like maybe the state of Chicago, like maybe the state of California, because they're all thinking we've got over 700 formal federal prosecutors, all of them Watergate. (laughs) And like I said, remember, I've said this, what they told you about Nixon is not True. I mean, Roger Stone knows that too, but I'm telling you, and it wasn't even in my time because I got to see a few things. Totally not true. So 
here's the deal. We've got them all trying to figure out how they can at least get it on a state level. So that's one, which will fall flat, I hopefully uh, believe so. Now we have General Flynn in limbo and a judge sitting on it, which should be a no-brainer, right? Should be a no-brainer. I mean, withdrawn petition, whatever. So here's what I think he's going to do. I think he's going to petition to the Supreme Court and say, I'd like the Supreme Court to tell me what to do here. And the Supreme Court is going to arrange a date, which is uh, totally violating General Flynn's right to, to a speedy trial. But they'll set it up and, you know, maybe Ruth Bader Ginsburg croaks. Maybe, you know, she dies. You know, she's not a young buck, right? She's not a young buck. So she dies. And then what? Do we have to wait to confirm um, another Supreme Court justice? Oh, wait a minute. We're going to have to wait till after the elections because it's going to be way too close, right? Okay. So until after the elections, we don't have General Flynn completely scots-free. It's still looming over his head in the hopes that they can steal the elections and take that SCOTUS position and, and, and. Do you see where I'm going with this? So this is what Barr created. Because I could tell you how he could have destroyed this whole thing. This whole, you know, map out plan. He could have destroyed it by doing this. Hey, prosecutor, you knew that the Brady materials were not... You knew that they set him up. You knew this, you, and you still prosecuted. That is called malicious prosecution. For that reason, you are being reprimanded, disbarred, this, this, this. That means the case that you started with bad faith is done. At that point, the judge can't prosecute, can't say, well, we've gotten this far, because the Department of Justice has now admitted that their prosecutor is corrupt AF, right? That is what they admitted. So at that point, the judge can't say, well, I like an opinion. He can't because the Department of Justice has just said that prosecutor was corrupt. He did it in bad faith. He colluded against the general. He worked with them against the general. He knew it was fake and he pushed it through. That would have killed it right there. There wouldn't be any, let's see, friends of the court. Oh, the, let's see who might take this case since the federal government won't. You know, there wouldn't be any question to that. So why didn't Barr do that? I guess we're going to have to wait till Labor Day to get rid of him because that's, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. <laughs> but layman legalese tells me that is a no-brainer. Why didn't happen? Sounds like a whole load of crock of crap, if you ask me. Because then that means that this U.S. attorney, who, this prosecutor, isn't even under investigation for conducting such horrendous crimes against the people, for misusing his office, for attacking a citizen like General Flynn, for attacking a general and framing him. That's what it tells me. It tells me that he's not under investigation and nobody cares. So let's take a listen to um, what um, Rand Paul um had to say uh, about all of this on the unmasking, which is very important, and on General Flynn. Take a listen. A bit of breaking news as we came to air this evening that Judge Emmett Sullivan says that he's going to open up the decision about whether or not to drop charges against General Flynn uh, to others who might want to comment on it. So this process drags on, it appears. 
You know, I've never heard of someone outside the government bringing charges against someone. I think that the government made a big mistake bringing these charges against General Flynn. We never should have been listening to his phone call, and we shouldn't have been trying to entrap him into or create a crime. They never thought he committed any crime. They brought him in to try to create a crime. What a terrible travesty of justice. And this needs to be done with. I thought we were already done with it, and I surely hope that we are going to finally be done with it. But the ultimate thing for us in the legislature is we should not let these abuses of power happen again. And I'm pushing hard to make sure that we take this power away from government. So what, do you, what about the unmasking? Do you think that it is right to let the American people know who decided to unmask General Flynn from those phone call transcripts? Absolutely. And I I don't believe any of this could have happened without President Obama. I completely believe that not only did he know, and others have already said that he knew about the conversation, he knew about trying to go after General Flynn, and that it was being directed from the White House. So I have every expectation that President Obama is in the middle of this. But I think it's worse. I think you go back to Operation Crossfire Hurricane, the whole fake dossier and all the stuff, all of the FISA warrants that were, I think, improperly and illegally gotten started on the Trump campaign. I really strongly believe that President Obama gave specific and direct oversight and direct permission for this. Think about it. We have never allowed a secret court to be used against a presidential campaign. Don't you think that was sensitive enough that it went all the way to the very top? So, yeah, the, the media have treated President Obama with kid gloves. Someone needs to ask him directly, did you approve of Operation Crossfire Hurricane? I think the answer is yes. So, you know, I mean, to put the shoe on the other foot, a lot of do you have evidence of that? You say you're sure that the president, the former president was involved in this. Why are you so sure? Well, we'll find out. I'm hoping that a lot of this will be declassified, but I have a strong feeling that this was such a sensitive subject. He's already admitted or admitted through people that worked for him that the Flynn investigation he knew a lot about and they were asking him his permission. On the way out, uh, Obama officials were all bragging, oh, we're going to save the republic from this guy. Donald Trump by, you know, sending out information through all the uh, intelligence communities about him. And it's- all of the intelligence communities across the pond, too. So kind of looks like Rand Paul is super woke, super duper woke. Now, I want to play a clip of Lindsey Graham calling the alleged Obama surveillance stunning and unethical and all of this, because I'm going to give you some inside view on this, because I think I was the only one talking about that meeting on January 5th. Actually, the real meeting happened the next day, but okay. Um, on January 5th, because it's the only one they have recorded, there were more. <laughs> there were more. So I'm going to play a clip. It's a four-minute clip of um, Lindsey Graham talking with Sean Hannity about this. And then we're going to break it down. Because here's where we're going to see how infiltration happens. We've been infiltrated. And you know what? I love Alex Jones. And I'm going to play a little clip of Alex Jones. Gosh, you know what? I want Alex Jones on my show. I need to make it happen. I want to have a co-show with him. I want to talk about all of this because he finally realized who got him removed from the internet. He finally realized it, and I'm so proud. Take a listen to Sean Hannity now with Graham. 
some time that among the batches of intel being declassified by the acting DNI director, Rick Rennell, we now have evidence John Brennan actually had intelligence that the Russians wanted Hillary to win. Remember the New York Times finally said, oh, it was likely Russian disinformation from the get-go. And Podesta said in these newly released uh, 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 House Intelligence Committee investigations and, and transcripts, we learned that Podesta said, yeah, uh, Hillary knew we were paying the Russians and that it was coming from Russia. Buckle up. Much more to come, especially now as the Senate Judiciary Committee is prepared to issue subpoenas to deep state bad actors if they refuse to comply with an investigation into the origins of the Russia probe. And specifically, the committee is now seeking more answers as it relates to that infamous January 5th, 2017 discussion between Yates and Brennan and Clapper and Comey and Rice and Biden and Barack Hussein Obama himself in his office here now. And by the way, the judge's decision to postpone a ruling in the Flynn case is also uh, on the agenda. We have Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham. That February 5th meeting is important. The unmasking is important. Uh, I'd like to know why they were unmasking, because we're not supposed to unmask Americans. I thought uh, I thought we were supposed to practice something called minimization, Senator. Yeah, the question for us as a as a Congress is, did the Obama uh, administration use unmasking as a political weapon? That's the question that I want to answer. Uh, the January 5th meeting, I'm dying to know exactly why Sally Yates didn't know about the Flynn investigation, but President Obama did. I would uh, urge Rick Grinnell, who's done a terrific job, to release the names of the people who made the unmasking request. Let me go back to something you mentioned to Sarah. Trey Gowdy asked Samantha Powers, uh, did you make 300 requests to unmask American citizens? And she said, I made nowhere near this number of requests, but the NSA and their files have 300, almost 300 requests being made by Samantha Powers. If she didn't do it, who did? What does it mean that Sally Yates and Comey on that January 5th Oval Office meeting were held back and Sally Yates expressed shock that Barack Obama knew all about the contents of that phone call and the unmasked phone call of General Flynn. Well, it means that the Obama administration intentionally unmasked a conversation with the incoming national security advisor to President Trump. Uh, that is stunning. If I ever find that the intelligence community is unmasking my phone calls with foreign leaders where I discuss foreign policy as a United States senator, heads will roll. I find it unbelievable that the outgoing administration is surveilling the incoming administration. That is incredibly wrong, at the minimum, unethical. What about the realization now that, in fact, uh, Hillary, you have one guy, this guy, Mook, apparently, who was given the bills <laughs> from Fusion GPS uh, yeah. to pay uh, for the Russian disinformation. And Podesta saying that, in fact, yeah, Hillary kind of knew. and We all knew that we were paying for op research <laughs> and uh, some of it was from Russia. And that, you know, in the end, the New York Times actually, you know, got something right. The toilet paper time. And that is that they figured out it was Russian disinformation, which means that it came from the Russians. The bad intel on Trump and the bad op research was designed to help Hillary, not Trump. 
Yeah, the document used to get a warrant against Carter Page was paid for by the Democratic Party, and the information came from the Russian intelligence community. To my Democratic colleagues, this is not a distraction. This is an undermining of the rule of law, and we're going to get at the bottom of it. All right, Senator, look forward to it. Those hearings begin when? First week in June was scheduled unless the judge uh, screws everything up here by not issuing a ruling. I can't believe the judge is conflicted about what to do here. Dismiss the case. Dismiss the case because you're going to expose all of us. Right, Lindsey Graham? He's going to expose all of you because it was Lindsey Graham that wanted President Trump to testify. It was Lindsey Graham that was pushing the theft of over 50 million U.S. federal taxpayer dollars to send them to Canadians to spy on us. Yes, indeed. That story is in the works because how angry would you be? I mean, Barr, aren't you going to hold Mueller accountable for cashing in all that money from us when he knew this was a sham? Hmm? Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So where we left it off is um, how General Flynn has, uh, you know, caused a bit of turmoil, right? Uh, this, uh, you know, meeting with Obama uh, that everybody's talking about, the unmasking is causing them to be uncomfortable. They're calling on the judge to just drop it because it's going to come. It's going to come at them and they don't want it coming at them. They want to leave it alone. And the judge doesn't know what to do. He's being told by the left to do this. He's being told by the right to do this. I mean, what can he do? What is it that he can do to save himself? Nothing. He's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Because this is where SCOTUS Gate is going to come full circle. Now, we must talk about Brennan, but before we do, I want you to listen to Brit Hume. You know, the Brit Hume that Tim Purdon called on um, about the collusion of the Trump campaign and Russia, the worst journalistic fiasco. Journalistic fiasco? Dude, it was the biggest fiasco against the people. This was a coup. Take a listen. I think we know what's going to come of this. Yeah. No, it sounds like it. Um, with regard to the press and the coverage of this Russia story, and as it sort of you know unravels in different pieces here, the New York Post editorial board wrote this today. It looks, this is the headline, it looks like President Obama ordered up phony Russiagate scandal. And it goes on to say, as part of that piece, Pulitzer Prizes were won for blaring utter fiction. The Trump administration was kneecapped out of the gate. Innocents like Flynn were bankrupted along the way. Say this about Obama. He knows how to play dirty um, is very strong words there from the New York Post editorial board, Britt. Yeah, and I don't think we yet know enough to say that Obama ordered and directed all this, but his name has now been drawn into it because of that now famous uh, January 2017 meeting when uh, he was briefed by, uh, when it became clear he'd been briefed by Comey on the Flynn wiretap, um, and, you know, Sally 
uh, Yates, who was acting as attorney general at the time, was in the meeting and she hadn't heard about it. So it was pretty clear that Comey and Obama were uh, working pretty closely here. And the FBI had gone around Maine Justice to do the Flynn interview that it ended up doing. Um, so there's a, there, you know, there's a lot to investigate there. But I don't think we can say that Obama directed this, but we're probably going to find out. As for the journalism involved in the pursuit of that story, the collusion narrative that we'd lived with for so very long before it was blown up in the Mueller report, it was the worst journalistic fiasco of my now more than 50-some years in journalism. It was a, it was a disaster. And you look, look at what uh, the editor of the New York Times, Dean Baquet, said about it. He said he'd, he had set up his whole newsroom, his whole journalistic operation was to cover that story. And it ended up, you know, going nowhere. It was a, it was a terrible uh, journalistic misjudgment. And it was rooted in their view, in my opinion, it was rooted in their view of Donald Trump that when this charge arose, they thought so little of him that he was such a terrible person that it had to be true. And the Washington Post and the New York Times pursued it relentlessly. Um, their coverage did not reflect any real doubt that it, you know, that it might not turn out to be, to be true at any time. And in the end, it all blew up. Um, you would think they'd learn. Um, they don't seem to learn, though, these journalists who were involved in that. You know, they got the whole story mm. about the Covington kids wrong, and, and it goes on. It's yeah. still going on. And, and I think the coverage of the, of the, of the coronavirus uh, uh, epidemic has reflected this. You know, there's a desire that, you know, mm. to see this thing as as uh, the, the, the shutdown should continue endlessly and anything that points in that direction they love and anything that doesn't, they don't. Mm. All right, um, I got to let you go, Britt, but I want to leave everyone with just this. This is the citation for the Pulitzer Prize uh, that went to the New York Times and the Washington Post for deeply sourced, relentlessly reported coverage in the public interest that dramatically furthered the nation's understanding of Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election and its connections to the Trump campaign the president-elect's transition team, and his eventual administration. So I just leave that with everybody to think what they will uh, of it in light of what we are learning in recent days. Um, Brett, thank you, as always. Good to see you. You bet, Martha. So what did Brett tell us right there? So as Congress squares off over another $3 trillion relief... What What did he tell us right there? He told us how he believes it's a sham, how this is a journalistic issue, how they attacked it. Remember, it was the journalist that told us that this was real. It was the journalist that told us that all of this is the way it should be. This is a fiasco. It's a clown show, and we know it. So what do we do with that information since we know it is a clown show? So here's where we uh, remember yesterday I played that clip where Tim Perdon said, well, you know, if Mueller indicted Russians that weren't really the ones that were hacking, he could go to jail. So the DNC was not hacked by Russia. So Clearforce, which is Brennan's buddies, Clearforce, right? Uh, you know, they uh, really work hard. And by the way, wait, wait, before I go there, I want to play this because this is interesting. This came in my purview and I want to play a one minute clip of Alex Jones. Just listen to what he says because you'll Surveillance. understand, Surveillance. you'll understand Clearforce better. The force inoculations and it's here. So it is on purpose. It is by design. And, you know, I'm not attacking Jack Posobiec, he's a smart guy, and, I, and I, I like Jack. But he put out this tweet. He's put out a bunch of these. And, and so when I make a film about this, which we're making very, very quickly, this is going to be part of the film. To be clear, 
COVID-19 is not a deep state Soros, Bill Gates, population control conspiracy. Oh, the CIA term conspiracy theory. There is no evidence of this whatsoever. It is a virus, a terrible global virus that G's China tried to cover up. Well, I mean, they admit it came out of Wuhan. I reported that three months ago. I, I broke it all, but but we're being told that there just is no proof authoritatively. Just stated like the great and powerful Oz. Well, this is going to be what we disprove in the film right here. And all the other mainstream media dutifully telling us that he's not even connected to Wuhan. Neither is Fauci. It's all a conspiracy. Don't look into that. Don't look into Fauci. Don't look into Fauci. Don't look into Fauci. We're going to put your ass in prison, Jones. Go ahead. Because I'm worried about God, not you. Worried about God, not you. And you know what? He said, you know, Jack Posobiec had tweeted out, COVID-19 is not a deep state Soros, Bill Gates, population control conspiracy. There's no evidence whatsoever. This is a virus, a terrible global virus that he's China tried to cover up. Well, Jack, you're wrong. Yeah, he's the president. She's China tried to cover it up, right? Tried to cover it up <laughs> because they got hit by it, too. You know, remember, and I so love that the president used my exact words. The ink was not even dry yet on the trade agreement and boom, coronavirus. They got spanked. And you know what? It's not like China's innocent. Don't get me wrong. It's all about world domination. And they've been under the control of many huge and massive, strong people. But, you know, the strong people were actually led by this clown called Brennan. And so, you know, uh, Jack Posobiec retweeted that video of Alex Jones saying, oh, my God, he's calling me a CIA plant. You're not a CIA plant. <laughs> You're hired by General Jones, and I dare you to say anything different because I've seen you with him. Ah, wait a minute. I didn't. My sources did. So he owns you. And if anybody needs to look at who General Jones is, he's one of the people that hate President Trump. He's the one that deployed along with General McChrystal, right? The, what was it called? Um, Operation uh, Destroy Disinfo or Disinfo something something. I wrote the article. I'm not pulling the name up in my head. But they literally admitted to um, hijacking the Kentucky elections by by pushing in disinformation to counter whatever conservative narrative is there. And see, they're tactful. They're not going to come out. They're going to say things like, there's no evidence that this is a coup or that it's used for anything else. Uh, yes, there is. And you know what's really funny? See, you know, IIAs or just infiltrators or reality hackers, uh, you know, it goes both ways. And what you, the people, have been doing with your voice, without your blue check marks, without your cushy positions, telling people that they should panic and that all these people died and it's just China's fault, right? China's fault, but your governors are getting a paycheck. China's fault, but the journalists are getting a paycheck. China's fault, but the pharmaceutical companies within the United States are getting a paycheck. China's fault, but the Democrats are getting a leg up. China's fault, but you know, the Democrats are trying to steal the elections. But guess what? It's just China's fault. This is where you suss out the rubbish. This is where you see where the infiltration is. And this is how you see, hey, your IIA almost worked. But when you get people that created IIAs before there was internet, <laughs> I was part of the team that deployed the first ever IIA on the swamp, on the swamp, talking about time travel on the internet. 
time traveling Tori titter 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 you know this I <laughs> I long time ago because we could see it we told you and this is how we got them to delay it because they got scared <laughs> how do they know how do they know yeah we know because you created never mind I'm gonna leave it there so IIAs are effective but when the people start to IIA you that's a problem so this is where we need to be paying attention to the little things that are said. Huh. It's not an effective reality hack if you get hacked. And so this comes back to the article I wrote about Q getting the front page of the New York Times. Man, that is the primest real estate where it was located. And you know, uh, this is how you, this is how upset they were. They were so upset that it was there that they even put a thing. Oh yeah. We're just going to correct that. It wasn't Fox news. It was this, uh, West Dakota Fox. It's an affiliate. They issued a correction. If you noticed, but the point of my article to you is QAnon is supposedly this really bad thing that Jack Posobiec said he knows the guy. Well, do you know what? If I start dropping names, you guys are going to be so pissed. Wait a minute. I follow her and she puts out news and she tried to hijack the movement. Wait a minute. I contribute to that soapbox. You mean they tried to hijack that movement? Yes. Because, you know... <laughs> They're so predictable. You know, it's, it's just incredible. And, you know, this article was perfect because the whole world got to see one phrase that the, was most important to say that I said at the beginning of March, which is what? Oh, this pandemic is being used to manipulate the electorate. Yes or no? And that was boom. You could see it right there, smack in the middle above, you know, <laughs> above the announcement of the death of Little Richard. You know, it was right there. Your eye could not go anywhere. And where it was placed, either you folded the paper and you were looking at the front or the back, you still saw QAnon smack in the center, prime real estate, the New York Times. And that's how you do it because it's subtle cues, uh, subtle things subtle changes in how people think with effective push. I mean, I like the way that they added, you know, Chris Berg, Laura Ingram, InfoWars and QAnon all in the same bucket, which kind of means that all these people that listen to them are all conspiracy theorists. Damn, that's about 80% of the United States of America. I mean, I'm not saying that 80% listens to Chris Berg, right? But <laughs> QAnon, InfoWars, Fox, and then affiliates. Whoa, that's a pretty big span. That is a pretty big span. And you know what? Back in the days when I was with Brennan, we were in an office in London, and I was shocked at the effectiveness of this idea some general had put together on how we would be manipulating the media in Iraq in order to make, it, make them see things our way, right? And think it was their idea. And my statement was every time they think that they are hurting our cause by doing that, and I can't say what they were doing, they aren't realizing that they're helping it. This is a dangerous tactic 
but it's genius because a lot of people lost their lives because of this, both on the U.S. side and the Iraqi side. And it's dangerous because, uh, you know, they could lose their lives. That was the potential, even though they deployed it. But it was genius because I'd never seen manipulation to such an effect. Like, how would you actually put an, a, a PSYOP like that in a military operation, like, so easily, like, insert it? It was incredible. And for now, I just want everyone to know we are constantly under attack, constantly under attack by everyone and their mother. Now, the House of Cards is coming down regardless. It is coming down hard, you know, and Brennan is in a lot of trouble. I mean, everybody wants to see Brennan go, but you know what? Like I said, he's dumb as rocks. He's stupid. He's just very, very well connected and very conniving, very sneaky. So the question that everyone should ask is, let's go back uh, to the DNC hack because this is important. This is going to be coming into play and it's going to be big. And I've said it again and again and again. I had portions of the imaged server that was done at the source. Now you could take my word for it or not. I don't care. I'm stating it. Now I can also tell you that former NSA analyst, Bill Binney, who wrote programs on hacking said that the transfer rate shows that it was done at the source. Wait a minute. So I told you that it was done at the source and I found copies of it. People are telling you the data tells you that it was done at the source. Like I copied it, imaged it. But for some reason, you know, Seth Rich, who had these hard copies, right, handed them over probably to one of the people that put it in our huddle group, you know, on the back end on the onion where it was found probably and probably wanted to hand it off to WikiLeaks and probably because remember there was a plant at WikiLeaks and we got a couple of journalists that will soon be coming out to light. I'm sure all of you know who they are uh, that kind of helped put Julian Assange where he is. So we have all this. And then I told you that Guccifer 2.0 is not Guccifer 2.0 is not Russian. It is John Brennan's little thing where they took the code and added it and manipulated. That was CrowdStrike that manipulated it, right? They fixed it. They patched it. It was like a sticker. Remember how I told you, um, and this is how I see things. So maybe you'll understand a little bit more in context of when I speak from it. Remember when I told you that the code, the RNA code, right? The genetics portion of it, right? Of uh, the coronavirus has sticky feet, but you can see a slight seam, right? Where it's stuck, that it's been designed. You can always see a slight seam. No matter how good your plastic surgeon is, if you pay attention, you're always going to see that little line, that little, right? Well, just like that on computer code, you can see that little sticky foot, you know, that little hairline, whoop, what's stuck on top, what's under, what was under. So that happened, right? So they lied about the DNC hack. They lied. So did the RNC. Now, what if I told you, and now pay attention to this. What if I told you, and no one's ever said this, and this is exposing me a lot, but I feel that I'm protected. What if I told you that the DNC imaged mirror, the server being imaged, and the RNC of the server being imaged were not supposed to be server images, but they were only supposed to take the data. You know, the data that the RNC lost that had over 60% of the U.S. population's identifying address, you know, of voters, over 60% of American voters were leaked on this hack. 
What if I told you they knew that someone was going to be doing that and piggybacking on it, the whole server was done? What if I told you that? What would you think? Wait. So you mean you orchestrated the hack so you can get the information so you can win these elections in 2016? Is that where you're telling me? I just want to get it clear. I am telling you that. So regardless, the DNC server and the RNC server were imaged. So CrowdStrike was hired to manipulate the code to make it look like Guccifer 2 did it. Oh, they did it. So they automatically knew it was Guccifer 2.0, not Guccifer that's sitting in jail. Guccifer 2.0, that doesn't exist. That's really an operation by John Brennan. (laughs) So now we have the FBI who did not get the server and who you heard in uh, Millie Weaver's report, Tim Perdon, say, and you heard him say it uh, where I played it on air when he was with Chris Berg, that when, you know, the FBI comes and asks for your server, it's courtesy to just mirror it and give it to them. Is it though? Because I remember that when they stormed Bill Binney's house and he was in the shower, they took his stuff. They didn't say, hey, can you image your computer? I know that when they went to Roger Stone's or everybody else's and they raided, they took stuff. They didn't image. So wait a minute. So does the DNC get a privilege to the FBI? They're privileged. See, here's where you need to ask that basic question. Let's not go into the deep, deep details. Where's the privilege? So the question is, what are they covering for? What if I told you that there's other murders, other Seth Rich type murders? And that's the article I'm working on because we need justice for Michael Hastings, don't we? Because Michael Hastings was working on a profile for Brennan, wasn't he? Right before he was murdered, wasn't he? And the special agent of the FBI that was investigating him before he was murdered, you want to take a wild guess who that was? That's right. Yeah, it's him. So how do I know this? Because, I mean, what better person to give a profile on Brennan than someone that worked with him for close to a decade? Hmm. I see. And then some. I see. Someone that my child can recognize from seeing him at a very young age. I was actually putting together this article about Michael Hastings. And my daughter says, wait a minute, I know that guy. Are we related to him? I remember him giving me something. I'm like, yeah, you do. No, he used to be mommy's, you know, kind of boss. So I'm just saying. Hmm. So what is really going on here? What cover up are they doing? They're covering up that they sold the nation out decades ago. They're covering up that they are trying to enslave every man, woman, and child. They're covering up that your data that is supposedly within the United States is really in Canada, England, Belgium, Germany, China, everywhere, but housed in one central location where everyone and the highest bidder can pick and prod whatever information they like. Yes. That's exactly what they're doing. That's how far back it goes. And you know, it's so incredible if you think about it. All these cover-ups and we knew nothing. Well, here's something that came out of the FBI that was interesting. Take a listen. 
To you this morning, DHS's Cyber Security and Infrastructure Security Agency, together with the FBI, pointed a very big finger at China in terms of trying to hack our research organizations who are looking into coronavirus. In a public service announcement, they were warning U.S. organizations who are researching coronavirus that they are likely being targeted by Chinese government cyber hackers. The agency's charging that China is trying to steal research information on the virus treatments and vaccines. In its public advisory, the agency's warning researchers to secure their network, saying, quote, these actors have been observed attempting to identify and illicitly obtain valuable intellectual property and public health data related to vaccines, treatments and testing. The potential theft of this information jeopardizes the delivery of secure, effective and efficient treatment options. President Trump has been very critical of China for not being forthcoming about the origins of the pandemic. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham has introduced introduced a bill to impose sanctions on China if it fails to cooperate and provide a full accounting of the events leading up to the pandemic. Georgia Congressman Doug Collins on that earlier this morning on Fox. Listen here. China deceived the world while people were dying. They were taking precautions inside their own borders while yet letting people go internationally. It is time for an independent investigation led by the U.S. and others to make sure that they, number one, going forward, what actually happened, and we hold them accountable. The Chinese officials who did this, they need to be in a position where they can be sanctioned, where they can be their uh, assets frozen. Those are the kind of things that we look at is using the economic impact of the pandemic to try to get a better trade deal with the United States than the one that it agreed to last year. The president saying he is not interested in reopening negotiations, at least not at this point. And the president tightening the screws even further, directing the Federal Retirement Thrift Board to not invest in any stock funds that have ties to Chinese companies. That means that about $4.5 billion that might have gone into stock funds that have interest in China will stay in other investments, likely the United States. Uh, but the president clearly indicating again, Harris, in so many different ways, just how unhappy he is with China about all of this, though he has and still remains to be very, very cautious about actually criticizing China's president, Xi Jinping. Harris? Why am I constantly being hijacked with all these? So the FBI has issued a warning to China against targeting um, research organizations. What does that tell you? It tells you that they're kind of inferring that this is happening. Well, it is. And our Secretary of Health and Human Services is giving all these research organizations what they want and what they need. So uh, on that note, I just want to tell everyone, we need to be loud. We need to make sure that we're calling them out, make sure we're drawing attention where we can, file lawsuits, send letters, faxes, and emails. Let's get to work and help our president take our nation back. We're almost there. God bless.